Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message. I'm speaking for the time I have with you on the topic repositioning critical skills for future advantage repositioning critical skills for future advantage my discussion or my talk would encapsulate issues like what is repositioning why is there even the need to reposition emerging trends that we should take note of and critical skills that we need to put us in an advantageous position let me start by saying that to reposition is to place something in a new and advantageous position. It is to take something from where it is and put it in a preferable, a new, or a more advantageous position. Another definition says to update the marketing of a person, a product, or an organization. In that regard, therefore, I suspect that for individuals, for organizations, and for businesses here, or even for products that are represented by their sponsors here, you may find some prescriptions that would help you reposition your product if the need does arise out of the points that we will share. Who must reposition? Who is the target of this presentation? We're looking at individuals, businesses, NGOs and religious organizations or churches, communities, political parties, and governments. And I suspect that for many of you, the inclusion of political parties will be a surprising one, but I believe that if some of the principles that we are sharing in this conference do really apply, then it would have been great to see delegations of political leaders represented here participating in this very exciting discussion just so they can carry away some of the thoughts and implement them in their manifestos or whatever programs that they have. And so I believe that observing the trends that we are discussing today, political parties need to reposition themselves to be able to reach some of the constituencies or demographic brackets that they seem to be ignoring. Why is there a need for repositioning. The first reason is the sheer momentum of change. In his presentation, Dr. Samensa alluded to the fact that being asked to forecast the future is a very hazardous task. And the farther into the future that you are asked to forecast, the more dangerous it is. Let me submit that that exercise has become even more difficult in the light of the rapid changes that we are seeing. If you observed changes in the country in the past 10 years, I suspect that the graph would rise gently and in the past two years or three years rise even more rapidly, not just here in Ghana, but all across the world. The second reason is the failure of previously celebrated models, whether it's in education, business, even our personal lives. Certain models that we have known to be successful in the past have failed woefully. Some institutions that used to be Ivy League institutions are today moribund. 
Nobody goes there or nobody sends their children there anymore. Why? Because the model that worked yesterday is Saito today. And so there is rapid change and previously celebrated business models today are not working anymore. Companies are having to spend time rethinking what they do, not just in the previous five-year sphere, medium-term, but consistently, annually, monthly, rethink what they do in the face of very rapidly changing developments in the marketplace. The third reason is the continued raising of the bar. What was excellent yesterday is average today. What you could use yesterday to be at the forefront today is ordinary. Of course, we can also talk about the rise and rise of information technologies. Our whole lives are being redefined right before our eyes. The fifth reason I would like to allude to something that came up in the earlier presentation is demographic transformation. It is a fact that the age brackets structure of our country has changed significantly from what it used to be 10 years ago. And so if a certain way of advertising was done 10 years ago and we do it in the same way today, there is a likelihood that we may not be reaching the people that we are trying to reach. Indeed, it's been proven by research that sometimes we spend our advertising millions speaking into space. And so there is a need to reposition. Let's talk about some notable developments that have taken place in the corporate world in recent times that are worth, worthy of note and that are going to be driving the change going forward. And the first one I'd like to mention is a revision of the human resource framework. Increasingly, many companies are beginning to rely on part-time staff, contract staff. Companies are outsourcing non-core aspects of their work. Why does this matter to you? Because if you went to school with a certain mindset, a certain notion that I'll finish school, get a degree, and go and work in this organization, you are finding out that instead of increasing the numbers, the numbers are shrinking because the model has changed. And this is a major development that is going to drive strategy going forward. Dr. Mesa talked about unbundling. That means that companies are no longer going to do the full value chain of their activities. Increasingly, they will find others who are experts in some specific areas to handle those areas so they can focus on their core business. What does that mean for you? As a bank, what does it mean in your client profiling? As an individual providing a service, what does it mean going forward? So there's a revision of the human resource framework. The second thing that is evident is that there is higher labor turnover than before, and it has its own attendant implications. Growing up, it was very common to hear people say, I have worked in this bank for 30 years, and they have a send-off party, and they present them with an electronic gadget or something else, and take a picture for, for the records. And it used to be the, the, the in thing to talk about decades of work in one organization. Today, it is, it is coming to the fore that people have five to eight different careers or different opportunities in different organizations within the, the space of their working life. What that means is that companies have to consistently retrain or reorient stuff. And the painful thing is, uh, is about the learning curve and the cost of preparing people to handle a role. And sometimes, just when you think they're beginning to get a sense 
of what they are there to do, they have to move on. Their training costs. There is a loss of institutional memory which hits companies very hard because when they go, they carry away some of the institution's memory. The third issue I would like us to look at in terms of notable trends is the new socially connected marketplace. I suspect that a lot of things that we used to do analog in the past, a lot of things that we used to do face-to-face in the past are now being done virtually. And so with almost a billion people on Facebook, it is difficult for you to continue to ignore social media as a platform for your business. Some experts predict that in the future it's going to dominate every single management decision. Where does that leave you and I? If, people's, if 40 million people visit Twitter a day, if people spend 4.7 billion minutes on Facebook, how can you imagine possibly that your business will not be there and it will still be seen. And so the world that we knew is rapidly changing right before our eyes. The fourth point I would like to talk about is redefinition of the customer attitudes and expectations. Today's customer is customer or buyer 2.0. Internet compliant, high demand, very sophisticated, extremely knowledgeable. I read a post, I read an article about an Anglican bishop in England who put up a sign in church and said, please retweet my message. And it was a shock. What a shock, because the typical idea is that we'll write at the entrance to the church, put off your mobile phone, because it is disturbing God, ostensibly. But this pastor wrote, please retweet my message. What was the idea? He's recognizing the fact that if there are 200 people in the church and they can retweet the message, it is as effective as sending them out on evangelism. So he was encouraging them to leave their phones on silence and retweet the message. Going forward, you will see some of those notices begin to disappear off the church walls and an encouragement to tweet the message. I predict that churches will provide wireless internet and even provide the notes on a screen for you to retweet going forward. The way we do business is changing. The customer today sometimes knows even more about the product than you do. When you are preaching a message, the person is holding a device, cross-referencing and checking what you are saying to see whether it is true. The statistics you are rolling out, the customer knows it more than you. The world is changing very rapidly and we need to be aware of these developments. The fifth point I would like to bring to our attention in terms of emerging trends is what I call youth power. With 41% of Africa's population under the age of 15, we can't afford to ignore the young people anymore. I'm yet to see a clearly defined strategy by the political class, especially the political parties, to address the 18 to 25-year-old voters. Because most of the discussions we have in the media will not reach them. The content, the packaging, the style do not reach them. The issues that concern that age bracket, in my personal opinion, are being totally overlooked. And I predict that any party that can craft a strategy 
to address the 18 to 25 year old olds and speak to their issues, articulate it not just in the way that responds to them, but with with the vehicles that would reach them in the place where they are, would make progress going forward. Because the sheer numbers in that bracket are amazing. Our children today spend a significant amount of time on Facebook. They carry phones and they, they do all manner of things and they are so savvy with devices, you can't believe it. If every parent here will admit it, when your phone is giving you problems or your iPad is giving you problems, the first person you turn to is your teenage child. They have the answers, they have the dexterity, and they are ahead of us. What does it mean? The sixth point I would like to bring to our attention is technology is ubiquitous. Today, technology is everywhere. In every field of endeavor, in education, in business, as individuals, our lives have been totally immersed under technology. I was interviewing an 80-year-old retired teacher, and she came to the studio with her Bible, digital Bible, (laughs) and her laptop. And I was looking at this supposedly analog. I mean, you would assume that at her age she would be analog, but she was very abreast with technology. The question I'm asking you, if you are in the working bracket, is how strong are you on technology? Not just familiarity with it, but how are you using it productively to increase efficiency and effectiveness in the workplace? The seventh trend that I would like us to observe is increasing competitive pressures. I look around here and I see a number of CEOs in the media, education, banking, and they will tell you that it is, it's, it's, it's challenging, it's continuous, it is non-stop, it is unpredictable, and today your competitor is not just the person next to you on, on high street producing the same item or doing the same business. But somebody in Asia, somebody in South America can launch a new product and within hours, your business is under threat. And so in crafting strategy, you no longer think locally. You no longer look at your immediate environment. There is a borderless redefinition of the traditional competitor base. Many of your competitors are invisible. The eighth point I would like to bring to our attention in terms of trends, emerging trends, is the negative impact of cost-cutting and time pressures on innovation. Why is this point important? You look around and you you find out that because of the rapid pace of competition, many people's strategy is driven by what did the competitor do last week? What are our friends doing? And so people spend time in the boardroom simply imitating. Instead of investing in innovation, time and money in innovation, we spend most of our time in imitation. And we think innovation is expensive because it requires research and investment in something that will not yield results immediately. It may work for you in the short term, but in the long term, you can never build a strong, viable organization based on imitation. Haven't you heard a story about somebody following somebody only to find out that the person had driven into a cul-de-sac? 
a dead end. When you, when you are driving in traffic and somebody branches somewhere and you follow, assuming that the person knows a shortcut, you may just end up in a dead end. And I know that's very familiar with many of us. The ninth point I would like to bring across in terms of trends is what I call unemployed at birth. Unemployment has now become a major global issue. We don't have the local copyright over it. It's a global issue. Every election across the world is being driven by unemployment. In America, in, in Europe, in Africa, everywhere. The Arab Spring was occasioned by 31% employment in Tunisia. Last month, Spain hit the unenviable 25% approximately unemployment rate for an European country that's frightening. Greece, 22.5%, South Africa, 24%, Senegal, 48%, and good old Zimbabwe, 70%. What do these numbers mean to us? What do they mean for a person going to take a university degree and looking to the future with hope and aspiration? Can we guarantee that they would find their space in the economic marketplace. The tenth one and the final one in this segment is what I call a shift in the power basis. I think that as students of history and as observant people, we need to watch the changes taking place and recognize the fact that the power bases are shifting. Certain institutions, certain businesses, that used to be the big boys in town are no longer the big boys. If you read the newspapers, if you watch the adverts, if you look at trends, certain industries used to be major in the economy. Gradually, they are taking the backspace. And certain industry, companies that didn't exist five years ago are the ones in the papers at the forefront of what is going on. There is a shift in the power basis. Not just in industry, but in the civil society front, several developments are taking place that we must be very observant of so that we can take our place and contribute our quota. And so, in the face of all this, what must we do? How can we rise to the occasion? What skills can we acquire in the face of these trends to ensure that Five years from now, we will still be at the cutting edge. Do you know that 10 years ago, the people who were at the top are not necessarily at the top today? Do you know that if people 10 years ago had spent time in a conference like this, debating and discussing the likelihood or the potential direction of the economy and business, some companies that collapsed may have still been alive? As a manager and a senior one at that in your organization, as an individual or as a company represented by a management team in this conference, what skills must we acquire to have an advantage going forward? Number one, we must be able to learn how to process data into actionable decisions or actionable information. A lot of data is flowing about in the system. 
We know the number of males who are here today. We know the number of females who are here today. We know every age bracket that is represented here. We know industry by industry the numbers in this place today. What does that mean for us as a training company and a consultancy? What do the numbers mean? When we fill forms, what does it mean? We love to fill forms. We love to collect data. But what does it mean? How many people walk into your front desk every week, every year? What categories of people? How many people make inquiries by phone? How many people are hitting your Facebook page? What kinds of people ask questions about your products? Has there been a shift in the demographics of those buying from you in the past two years? What does it mean? Today, even a road, a road diversion can change your business strategy completely. A flyover goes up instead of down and suddenly you are below and the road doesn't pass in front of your place anymore. It's a major issue. So, we must be able to process data into actionable information. Everything means something. Usain Bolt won the 100 by 4 in record time with his team. And in the afternoon, in the executive development sessions, I was telling my colleagues there that the difference between the Kenyan David Rhodesia, who also broke the record, and Usain Bolt, is that Bolt has branding in his head, in his heart, and in his soul. All those signs that he does are not for nothing. It is a brand. And so there are pictures on Facebook of policemen, parliamentarians, BBC journalists all doing this. <laughs> because one man decides to build a brand. Believe me, the moment he won the race, he started arguing with the stewards that they should give him the baton. He wanted to take the, button, the yellow button home. And they said, the rules don't allow it. He said, but I need it. Can you imagine why? Ten years from now, when he auctions that button, it will pay for his children's 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 school fees. But our brothers and sisters from our part of the world celebrated their victory without thinking of, how can I brand myself with this for the future? Think like that. Push yourself in different directions. Everything means something. Number two, power networking. The second skill you must acquire is the ability to network. I'm not just talking about physical meeting of people. I'm also talking about virtual meeting of people. Whether you like it or not, you are at every point in time the average of the five closest people in your inner circle. I listened to two parents deciding which school their child must go to. And one parent made a very strong point and said, 70% of the business I've gotten in the past year has been from my classmates. This school you're asking my child to go to, he will finish school without classmates. <laughs> it may not matter to you today, but the parent was very concerned about not just the degree the child would acquire, but the number of classmates the child will have in future for networking purposes. Power networking, not just networking, but connecting to the right people who can help you have an advantage in future. Do you know that all through history, networks have been crucial in bringing about change? It just takes a phone call. Sometimes it doesn't even involve cost. Somebody sees an opportunity and then makes, places a phone call to you and say, check 
page 46 of graphic. And you are there. Everybody needs somebody. So connect to the right people who can help you advance your course in life. The third critical skill that will be very crucial going forward is communication and selling skills. I am of the firm conviction that the single most important generic skill everyone must acquire in their career is communication skills. I think it is non-negotiable. I've come to the point where I believe that many people are underpaid because they don't communicate well. It is a fact of life that several times decisions are made at interview panels not based on what you know technically, but what you can say when you stand before the panel. Because many times when the shortlist is done, it is assumed that everyone who comes before the panel is equally competent. And so the, the, the final driving point is who can articulate relevant solutions on the spot. How equipped are you with executive communication skills? And so you will see that somebody else will stand on the podium or somebody else will be rewarded or awarded and you say, I am far better than him or her. I agree with you. In fact, I believe you. You are better, but that person will get a contract. Develop your communication skills, develop your selling skills, whether we like it or not, whatever business we are involved in, at every point in time, we are selling. You're selling yourself, you're selling your product, you're selling your service. Even the way you dress, even when the, the, the MD of a company is called to come and present an award, that 30-second appearance, that company is being sold. Listen, even in church, your company is on sale. Communication skills, selling skills. The fourth skill that will be crucial going forward is analytical predictive and prescriptive abilities. Now, what do I mean? I'm talking about a certain ability to analyze developments and predict outcomes and prescribe solutions. Analyze developments in the marketplace, predict likely outcomes, and prescribe solutions or actions that you must take. You see, the train of life is always bordered by those who can predict when the train will pass and are therefore standing there in readiness before the train comes. For those who wait to hear the sound or see the train before they move, very often by the time they come running down, the train is already gone because the opportunities of life often stop for a short moment. That is why they say people who make it in life are people who are at the right place at the right time. It is not by chance, like Professor P.K. Richardson said earlier on. Those things are not by chance. It is by being able to predict where the door will open and be standing there when the door opens. If you are a student of developments of this nature, you will understand that sometimes the journalist standing outside number 10 Downing Street is not standing there because he just happened to be passing there. He's standing there because on a particular day at a particular time, he wants to catch the prime minister first over an issue that is hot. Positioning is crucial. And that can only happen when we are able to analyze developments, predict the direction of things, and prescribe actions that you, you can take to give you an advantage. 
mergers and acquisitions can be predicted. Shrinking organizations can be predicted. That's how come some people always move just before trouble comes. And you ask yourself, how did they know? Because they think one step further or further than everyone else in the organization. And sometimes people make career moves that don't make sense to you. But somehow, in a year's time, you call them and say, now I understand. It's about that uncanny ability to analyze things and make prescriptions or predictions. The fifth skill you will need is one of the most crucial. And that is leveraging your dominant talent as equity. Every one of us has a natural ability. There is something that comes to you naturally. There is a talent that you have. Everyone, there is nobody who has nothing. The reason why some people think they don't have talents is because we tend to look at the more visible ones or talents in a certain brackets as the only talents that they are. But everyone has a natural ability, something that comes to you naturally without struggle, either hereditary or by socialization or by exposure or one way or another. But everyone has a talent. I am of the belief that there is no one who has been shortchanged in life. Abedipele's three children play football at the national level. It's either hereditary or by socialization. Maybe they grew up watching it, so it was demystified in their eyes. My three children maybe don't play football even at, at a domestic level. <laughs> but I've taken it in good faith because I can't have everything. But there is something that I also have. And that is why my six-year-old son can sit in a bus full of CEOs going on an excursion and just before the bus moves, says, stop, can I pray before we go? At age six, he's not intimidated by the fact that they are, the bus is full of CEOs and adults. Maybe because he's seen his father speaking so many times, he doesn't fear speaking. And so everyone has some ability, some talent, something that you know how to do. Now, let me speak to CEOs at this point and say, don't fill your organization with people just like you. It's one of the biggest temptations of every leader to fill your business with people in your talent grouping. Because if you are a firebrand and a very um, inspirational leader, you, you tend to like people who are just in the same age group. Let me show you an illustration that will help you understand why that can be very dangerous. Every board, every, every, every management team must have some balance. In a group of playing cards, there are four categories. What do you call them? Don't tell me Kule Kalo. <laughs> there is club. There is diamond. You, you like the yet and the spire. All right. That's all right. All right. So there is the club, there's the diamond, there's the spade, and there's the hat. Let me say that the club talents are the visionaries, the founders, those who break new ground, those who love change. They are always coming up with some great thing that the company must do. They have the heart to bring on people, drive the change, raise the resources. They are the drivers. Now, when they open up the vision, you also need the diamond. And the diamond talents are the innovators, the designers, the product developers. They are the ones who will take that vision that the, the, the visionary has brought and break it down into products that the company can use to have an advantage. 
You need them in the business because a vision in a vacuum will not yield advantage in the marketplace. And so the diamond talents sit down and break that vision down into products that will give the company an advantage. Then you need the spade talents. They are the detail-oriented, meticulous backroom people who are not fascinated by the, the yo-yo, but they have the time and space to work with systems to finish a job. In fact, several times, long after the visionary has moved, the spade people ensure that the job is completed. Visionaries don't have time for details. They are always on the move and they are always in a hurry. But the spade people, the audit people, the accounts people, etc., etc., have the heart, the time, and the space to work at it till they complete it. The fourth category and the final category in the playing cards is the heart talent. Those are the HR people, the caring people, people who typically are able to sense tension in the organization and recommend activities that will diffuse it. They are the ones who can, can tell when somebody is bereaved just by seeing them. They are the ones who know the heartbeat and you will need them because not everything in the world is strategy. And so the perfect team, if there is anything like that, would have some club people, some diamond people, some spade people, and some heart people. I can imagine that if the board were full of visionaries and club talents, any great idea that comes, they say, let's go. And they can start implementing it for a while only to find out that they've made a grievous error with copyright. And if nine of them were in that category and there was one spade person, that person would look like a, de- a demon in the meeting. But you will need them to read the fine print and bring it to your attention. The sixth characteristic that you will need to have an advantage in the next decade is a pioneering and entrepreneurial spirit. And by that, I don't mean everyone must start a business. I mean that the people who would rise rapidly in every organization, be it their own business or working as managers in the business, are people who can take on things that nobody else has done and push it through to completion. A pioneering spirit is simply that ability to take on something and break fresh ground. Things must grow in your hands. Every leader loves somebody who can take a project and and bring it to fruition. Not tell you a story. Not give you an excuse. Not give you a detailed explanation for non-performance. I believe that we must create a culture of holding people accountable to every responsibility assigned to them at every level. At the governmental level, we must document, record promises and play it back, not just remind, but play it back in situ. When we do that, people will be careful what they say. I think that we must elevate this whole discourse so that we cannot just say anything anyhow. And people who have been given responsibility and paid to do assignments must deliver on them. That is the only way we can build a great organization or a great nation. The last but one point I would like to bring out is about reinvention. And so you started your career in a particular way. You were doing something. How many trained as an engineer here you find yourself in management, banking, or let's see who moved from science to finance here? Let me see my hand. Ah, there's one here. Okay, so who moved from, from 
From which one? What are some of the fine combinations that we have in this place? Ken, where did you start from? Electrical engineering. And now you are managing a media organization, a media empire. It's, it's beautiful, but it just tells you that careers are no longer linear. When we were growing up, we used to think that you do this course, then you get a great electrical engineering job, and then you rise through the ranks, and then you become CEO, hopefully. But today, we're finding out that careers are dynamic. In fact, in our teen preneurship conference, we encourage the teenagers not even to think of one career alone, but interesting combinations. So you hear somebody say, I want to be a pilot, a parliamentarian, and a public speaker. Combination. Somebody was so inspired that she says, I want to be a doctor and a first lady. <laughs> but we must, encourage, we must encourage the next generation to think about interesting combinations. Because there is multiple streams of income and it's possible to be a doctor and a first lady. Why not? So we must look at flexibility and adaptability. When the environment is changing, when things are no longer the way they were 10 years ago, don't say, as for me, this is what I went to school to do. Or as for this company, this is what we do. Continue to challenge what you do. Continue to question what you do. Continue to re-examine what you do. That is the only way to stay relevant. That is the only way to stay at the forefront. I predict that several businesses will take their strategy in the next two years and tear it apart and come out with a fresh list of products and a whole different agenda for the medium term. In fact, it will take courageous leadership to be able to move in those kinds of directions. Because what will happen is this. If you are not flexible, you will break. If you think the past five years have been very dynamic and change has been rapid, watch the next three years. It's going to be shocking. When the prime minister of Portugal takes a plane and goes to Angola to go and ask for financial assistance, the world is changing. The systems, the issues that we used to think were a particular way are not that way anymore. And there will be so many rapid changes in the next five years. It is predicted by the IMF that in the, from 2011 to 2015, the top seven fastest growing economies will be African. What does it mean for you? Where will you be in all these metrics? So going forward, the final point I would like to bring across is probably the most important, and that talks about agency and decisiveness. We must learn to be agent in our pursuit of our aspirations. We must learn to be decisive in the pursuit of our goals and ambitions. If you are going to overtake those who have gone far ahead of us and place our footprints in the sands of time, if our country will register as a major player on the global economic landscape, everything we do must be done with agency. When you go to the tube station in London, you will see agency. Running People with suits and laptop bags running to catch the tube just to get to work two minutes before time. Running. Senior executives. 
We need to inject agency. We need to inject pace. Jack Walsh says speed is a major factor in competitiveness. Because sometimes by the time you finish that slow process of moving from thought to action, somebody else has jumped in before you and has first mover advantage. Like the man by the pool said in the days of Jesus Christ, he says, any time I try to move, somebody gets there before me and was at the same place for 38 years. May your company not be like that. (laughs) Somebody said amen. Okay. So there must be agency and decisiveness in the way we run our businesses. Let me bring this presentation to a close by sharing with you a quote from Andre Gide who says, you cannot discover new oceans until you lose sight of the shore. It may mean moving out of your comfort zone. It may mean experimenting with things that ordinarily you will not find yourself doing. It may mean beginning to learn about technologies that some time ago you would rather not be seen with. It may mean moving into spheres that initially you had left for the younger generation. But hey, don't find yourself five years from now, some young person from the university coming to take over your job and you being sent on premature retirement. So it may mean re-educating yourself, reinventing yourself, and repositioning yourself for the future. But if that's what it takes, just do it. The final word I will leave for you is inspire. When all is said and done, if you're going to leave an impact in the sands of time, there must be something inspiring you, a greater call, a bigger vision, something from above working in your heart, pushing you, thinking about it every night and day. It is that kind of drive, that kind of push, that kind of self-motivation that does not come from external, external factors, but from within that will make you stand the test of time, overcome the challenges, battle against the odds, and reach that dream that only you know. I don't know where you are coming from, but I know one thing. If you believe and you are convinced about what is in your heart, the obstacles may be there, but you will get there. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Arbet and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Arbet and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-249-99000. You may also subscribe to amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. No more searching, searching.